Thanks for listening to Growth Support. I'm Neil, and today I'm joined by Matt Dale, the founder of Moxie CX, to talk about discovering the path of leadership, developing new leaders within your team, while creating a culture of success. Hope you enjoy. Look forward to joining the conversation. Thanks so much for, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Dude, happy to be here. Yeah, anytime there's a chance to talk to cool people and have a conversation and record it and share it with others, like I'm down. So, yeah. Sweet. I mean, that's pretty much all this is really just a casual conversation. I saw your description on Moxie CX and really what you're passionate about. And one of the things that you mentioned and what I saw as well that really stuck out was developing leaders and really mentoring new leaders and building a team. So, super interested to dive in and kind of talk about that. But first, I just want to know more about you. I've seen you around support driven. I've seen you around the, the industry and community. I'm really yeah. curious to know more about you. Sure. So uh, I've been in support basically my entire, you know, adult life, uh, my career uh, started, you know, helping at an internet skills class for senior citizens when I was in high school. They had a, a new iMac filled computer lab and nice. we were teaching them how to do like Google was a new thing. We were using AltaVista and ask.com for Ask Jeeves and and it was like, oh, I really like helping people. Um, after college, that translated into a job in IT, um, fixing people's computers and things like that. Brief uh, bid at a law firm, uh, working with attorneys, managing the firm for them. Uh, decided that you know one's one's happiness is an inverse relationship to the proximity one has to be on a daily basis to attorneys. And so, got back into technology. Uh, worked at a, a SaaS a company focused on. Uh, supporting k-12 school districts giving them all the different things they needed to do from instruction to reporting and and scheduling the students where they needed to go and that's really where i kind of cut my teeth in the i think the formal customer support world is as we kind of think about it here with like support driven uh, and things like that um, when i first started at that company um, there were 20 people in the company everyone had like phones at their desks so the developer you might might answer a call the, the ceo might answer a call but I was kind of the first person they said, hey, we need we need someone that's dedicated to the support side of things. Uh, can you help us build this out? And so we went from that to um, kind of the normal growth process uh, from a bootstrap startup. Uh, we got involved with private equity from they own, had a partner ownership, um, scaled very quickly. Uh, and then the CEO decided, hey, I want to move on, and try something different. So he sold his majority share to the private equity company. And then it was like, let's hit, let's hit warp speed here. Let's go as fast as we can. Let's let's acquire companies. I think we acquired nine different companies. Um, so I, I had the chance to scale a team naturally, to scale a team kind of like, hey, let's go really fast. And then also let's bring bring in other companies through acquisition, help people come on board, help everyone get on the same page um, from a, a tools, a workflows, kind of everything, getting them to use our playbook and making sure that we don't lose what was good for them that their customers liked for those products, but helping them kind of come into our suite of products. Uh, ultimately, the company was sold to a much larger company, uh, and I had an opportunity to help with a transition plan there. I worked with our COO, our new COO, and just said, hey, I'm, I'm ready to kind of make a transition out of the organization. Can we build this in such a way that it helps my team stay stable? It helps your, your company kind of go through the acquisition process and, and really kind of have that stability as the goal. Um, and so we built out a plan that got us through the next back to school busy season. In school software, um, you know, fall is, is our busiest time. We see half this yearly volume from like September through November. Um, yeah. I, I, I got them through November of last year um, and then started my own gig, which was Moxie CX, uh, just a consultant helping other companies understand their customer support, customer experience, um, and really kind of scale what they're doing. I'm, I've got 
uh, several right now that I'm working as a fractional head of support for, head of CX kind of thing, um, where we're, we're, we're starting small, kind of in startup mode in one of them um, with just one support person and then growing. The other one's been around for a little longer um, and their, their focus is a lot more on, um, we've got a team of four or five folks. How do we prepare for doubling sales over the next three years? And, and what, that, what does that look like? Tools, workflows, people, um, all that fun stuff. Um, and I have a couple other clients that I'm working kind of piecemeal with where maybe it's one-on-one -on -one coaching with a new leader uh, or helping them evaluate their support tool set and figuring out what they need to do. So there's there's a little bit of my background from from a support perspective. Nice. That's super exciting. I mean, coming from really like, I think a lot of support people who've been in the industry for so long come from like very, very beginning backgrounds of like i was just helping people with tech support and now i'm here yeah. so <laughs> yeah i don't know what i did it just sort of happened so here i am you know yeah exactly i feel like that's such a relatable journey of so many people it's like yeah, yeah i also fell into support like me i moved uh from retail telecom floor sales like i was yeah. selling phones and inside of big large retailers like for yeah. me yeah. then i moved here four and a half years ago I started with my company that I'm at now, AIHR, when we were eight people as one of the early customer hires, very similar to what you were doing of like, hey, yeah. take care of our customers, let's build support out, let's do it. And since four and a half years, taking that support journey as well, you kind of just fall into it for a little bit. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how many support people really go through that. I'm really curious because you, you now are helping leaders to develop and go from, hey, you're, you're one support team member to growing a team. Yeah. What do you think like really makes that journey kind of a commonality for a lot of teams and what looks like success in terms of, hey, you're here right now. Let's let's really build it out. I think, I think every company has, there are different stages that every company goes through, especially in the world of, of startups and software. But I also see it in, in e-commerce and retail and things like that, too. And so I think the first step, if you're, if you're kind of thinking about like where am I in my career and, and how do I go to where I want to go, is really understanding what phase of business is your, is your company in. Um, so one of my customers, um, they're um, a very small CPA firm. They're acquiring some software and you know, basically taking over the software package to help, help their customers that are in a very small niche. Um, the person that owned the company before did all the support, did all the development. Um, we're hiring a, a single person to run the port and run kind of that, that operation. And so if you look at that company, they're in the phase of, we're going to be here probably for a little while. I would say the next probably three or four years. And just focused on making sure that knowledge transfer happens properly, making sure that they're able to support their customers in a really positive way. So the person that we hire for that role, um, there's opportunity to grow, but it's also not going to be the same sort of phase. If you're saying, Hey, I'm employee number three in a startup where we're, we're funded and we're, 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 our goal is to, you know, hockey stick growth. Um, you know, at this time next year, we're going to have 30 people. We're at two right now. Those are both very different phases and they're very different growth uh, styles that the, that that company is looking at. And so yep. understanding where the company that you're at is in and making sure that that aligns with your goals as an individual. I really love kind of the early stage. Let's build it from the ground up, figure things out. Um, once I get to about 60 or 70 in the team, um, it feels like a lot of the problems that we've dealt with, like the ones that really interest me have maybe been solved at that point. We've got a great ticketing system. We've got these different things in place. And so, so I guess I would just say like, understand at what, what phase your company is in and what the company's goals are. And then if, again, let's say it's a small team, couple people, maybe there's not actually someone that's directly in charge. Uh, if you're the type of person that says, hey, I want to be 
I want to be that. I want to be the person in charge because because some people are, are are players and some people are coaches and some people are yep. kind of hybrids and and understanding you know what are my desires. I've, I've had several folks on my teams over the years. They're like, I never want to manage anybody. I don't want to be a coach. I want to be a player the whole time. And I, I think that's a really healthy sort of introspection to have and go, what do I want with my career? Because what you don't want to be is you don't want to be going on a path that you're you're progressing in terms of you know external benefit. Like people go, oh, you're doing a great job. You're you're growing in your career, and you're like, yeah, but I don't like what I do this anymore. This is the way you have to go. <laughs> yeah, like this is bad. And so yeah, so thinking about that, I think is important too. But go yeah, ahead. one of one of uh, one of my previous colleagues gave me some really good advice when I was becoming a people manager. So about a year ago, I went from being an individual contributor, just a solo person doing support in the org, to now starting to really build my team. And now yeah. we're a team of six people. We're really starting to grow and take on like a lot more or really really cool projects and things as we as we scale. And one of the advice that they gave me was, hey you're at a point right now where you're going to start managing a lot of people and you're going to become a people manager. Yeah. At some point, if it's not necessarily the direction that you want to go, you need to kind of decide, do I want to manage people or do I want to manage process uh, yeah. so that you can decide what that value really looks like for you in terms of moving in the right direction for you. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I think that's really good advice, understanding yourself, you know, rolling the clock back 15 years and going like, who am I? What do I want to do? What do I want to be when I grow up? I still don't. I still don't have it figured out. Just so we're clear, but but I think the the path that I've been on has been at some points very intentional, and other points sort of happenstance. And as long as you're moving in a direction that you're like, the next step feels like it's a good one. The next step feels like it's where I want to be. I think that's really healthy. And and again, we can sometimes find ourselves going down a dead end where you're making more money, but at the end of the day, you're feeling completely drained and you hate your job. You don't want to be down a down a road really far and go. I've got a mortgage and I've got I've got kids and I've got I've got expenses in my life and now I need to I need to like completely change gears and go into a different path, which might mean taking a step down from a pay perspective and, and things like yeah. that. So you want to kind of figure that out a little earlier and go. Hey, like everyone says, I should level up and become a, a manager of people or maybe a manager of process or or whatever. Um, but maybe that's not who I am. Maybe I want to instead of being in this particular field, making a shift over. Um, had a had a an early hire at our company, um, super great guy. And he was, he was like, I'm, he was kind of transitioning from college type jobs to, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm working in a big company now. Like it's a, it's a normal eight to five and I'm, I'm in an office. Um, and he was great on support, uh, but he also he was very outgoing and he connected with some of the guys on the sales team and made a transition from support to sales. And it was, it's been a fantastic thing for his family. We're, we're going to get together uh, in a couple weeks here. I'm, I'm going to be visiting Southern California where he lives and, we're gonna have a meal together, and he's just like I—he's he, very appreciative of of the guidance that I was able to give him while we were kind of going through. He's like, "Hey, should I be thinking of the switch from from this this field to this field?" And I said, "You know, like I know who you are, and I think this is a really great fit, and it, it aligns with where you want to be in the next five years." Yes, you should totally make the make the move. It was hard for me to yeah. lose him as as a, as a contributor on my team, but but for him, it was the right move because it fit in it, it was a, in alignment with where he wanted to be kind of the next phase or the phase after that. And so again, I think, I think thinking through those things as, as individuals and then as leaders looking to our team, um, it's really important to kind of understand who we have on our team. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are the things that they could develop in and grow in and, and kind of go from there? I mean, seeing so many different leaders and helping to develop so many people, 
Is there a way that you found that people can really help to identify this for themselves of what kind of that direction looks like? I think it's it's a little bit of, so I think there's part of it that is self-directed. So like coming at it from my perspective, I had a, a I've always enjoyed opportunities to help lead teams. I think back to when I was in, in Boy Scouts and, and you know, planning and, and, hey, let's all get together and let's go do this activity. Like that's been kind of part of who I am and, and who I've always been. And so I naturally, I think, gravitated toward those types of roles. Um, that being said, kind of putting my, my manager hat on, there have been several folks um, in the course of, of, of my management career where I, I saw an individual and and I'm like, this person has the potential to do a really good job in this particular area. In two, two cases in particular, the individual said, you know, one, one of them was like, I never want to be a manager. I don't want to do this. And said, that makes sense. Like I 100% respect you. I think there's certain skills that you have here that would be really good. I think you would do a really good job at it. But I understand like, you know, know yourself and then kind of go from there. And so that was one where we had that conversation. And about a year later, she came back and said, I actually, I want to apply for this internal role. We had a manager move on. And she's like, I actually think I could do a good job. He had done a fantastic job being my, being the scout's manager. And she said, I, I really think I can move in. I could lead this team. And I said, well, we, we had a conversation a year ago. You weren't at all interested in managing people. What's changed? And she said, you know, my, my perspective of what it means to be a manager has shifted. And, uh, and she went on to be a great manager at that company. And now she's at a different one leading a team, uh, kind of bootstrapping, starting from the ground up. And she's done a fantastic job. Another case, we had another gal and she was, again, a fantastic person. I said, I think you'd be really good in management. She's like, ah, I'm not really sure. I think I want to go into, maybe I want to go into the product side of the house. Maybe I want to get into some design stuff. Hey, I'm here to support you. Let's 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 continue to work on that. Uh, we, had a, we had a chance where two of our managers at the time were kind of, one was on maternity leave and then came back. And then the next one was on maternity leave, like right as they were coming back. And I said, we need an interim. Would you mind being an interim for a little while uh, while these two folks are out on maternity leave? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'd be willing to do that. Okay, let's do that. Um, go through the process. She was great at it. She actually found that she really liked it. Um, and she ended up being a director on my team. And now she's over, uh, she's had two different roles as director to, to different different software companies. And she's, you know, on this path that she's really enjoying, but that it kind of at the beginning, she wasn't aware of. So, so to answer your question, I think you need to know yourself and I think your manager, or if you're, if you're a manager, you need to be thinking about the people on your team and helping them discover a little bit more about, Hey, I think you might be a good fit here. And, and the way that we can do that as managers is really allow opportunity to make space for people to, to try different roles. You know, one thing that's really hard for me is the delegation aspect of things. I'm very type A. I, I know if I do it, I'll do it right. and It'll be done. Uh, yeah, it's always tough. A, it's a huge bottleneck, right? Like if, if I'm doing it all myself, then then it doesn't give you or, or someone else on the team an opportunity to stretch and to grow. And so I think a skill that I've worked on as a leader has been the ability to hand things off in a way that allows that sets the person up for success, but also gives different people on the team opportunities to take on different leadership type roles in a safe environment so they can see, hey, is this something that I'm interested in? And again, you might find that holy cow, I never want to do that again. Perfect. That, that's a win because that helped close a door and, and then is able to help that individual focus on some different areas that they look at career growth. But and I think that's incumbent upon us as the managers. Right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say also in like a safe environment, right? So the risk is not very high in terms of it's not a trapdoor decision to be able to try something out and see how you like it. 
and it really is important to understand and have these conversations with people. What what do you value? What are you really looking for? Because I have someone on my team who's like, I don't want to be responsible for other people's work. I want to be responsible yeah. for my work and hold myself accountable and have super high yeah. work efficiency and take that ownership. But emotionally, I don't think I could be responsible to tell somebody that's super difficult people management side of things. So I just want to be like growing as an individual contributor and knowing yourself and knowing what you want to do uh, and being able to identify the kind of potential that you have and test the waters in a safe environment is really important. Be able to understand and dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, I think, again, our goal is, as leaders and managers is to really set our people up for success, whether that's the day-to-day -day job, making sure they have the right tools, the right training, you know, the resources they need to give our customers good answers, um, but also the opportunity to grow in a safe way. Um, one, one of my directors at one point um, was a bit of a perfectionist, kind of like me, and was like, would spend, I, I, would, I would hand off an assignment, and, and she would spend a lot of time making the assignment perfect. And like, hey, this thing that should have taken about a week took three weeks because she wanted it done right. And so we kind of came up with this concept of let's get it to 70%. You know, let me let me clearly hand off, identify what, what needs to be done, what does success look like, and then hand that project off and say, okay, when you, when you feel like you're at about 70%, let's circle back, show me what you got. We'll have a little bit of a dialogue, um, make some minor course corrections, and then we'll finish the project. And And for her, that was really helpful because it allowed her to not get focused on it. It's got to be perfect because I want to deliver this perfect thing to my boss because I really want to do a good job and rather be able to say, hey, all right, here's where we're at. Let's collaborate. Let me give my insight on it. And in reality, her 70% was most of the time was good enough with a couple minor little tweaks. And so thinking about your people, understanding them and, and knowing who they are, what their, what their strengths and weaknesses, where they're going to have those challenges, then can set allows you to set them up for success in, in whatever role you're delegating, whatever opportunity you're putting in front of them. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good approach because also, for example, if you say, okay, this person's delivered 100% of something that's off the target, it's much also, it's very much more difficult for them to hear that of like, oh, it's really off, like when we could have measured earlier or come together to collaborate it more to make sure that I'm right on the right track and there is still time to adjust and correct in a safe environment as well. Well, and sometimes too, I've done a bad job handing it off and I haven't been clear in what I'm looking for in the project. And so if I give that to you and you go run with it and you get it to 100%, we're not, maybe maybe it's not your fault, it's my fault, but we're, we're somewhere we don't wanna be. And so being able to, to, to kind of check in at those different points and, and really push for that understanding and then, and then make the minor course corrections as needed, that for us was a really good way to work together. So again, know your people, Know yourself, work at getting a little bit better every day in how you're delegating, um, work to help them be successful and get a little bit better in their skills and abilities. And I think that's how that's how you develop people and how they win. So yeah. Nice. And like right now, the journey that I've been on is uh, since last about a year ago, for example. Uh, I went from you know, as I mentioned, like an individual contributor to growing my team now. And one of the things that we've really, really been focusing on is the culture that we're building while we're building the team out and kind of really, really the importance around that and the importance that it also means to our customers and creating like a very clear vision, mission and statement. Um, and one of those things is creating a culture of also ownership and accountability and, and really excellence within the team. When you're building a team fresh and you're kind of taking this perspective and looking at it, how are you going about kind of building that culture or the culture that fits best for the company? 
Yeah, I think I think that's that's a hard question and a question that involves a lot of individuals of your company at this point in time and the people that are involved, right? I was reading yeah. a leadership book many years ago and it, one of the points that it made was every time you add someone to your team, that changes the team dynamic. Not necessarily in a bad way, but it every new person added on changes how the group is interacting together. And so I, I think I think it's important to be aware of what we say you know, what our aspirational goals are and then what we actually do and say, you know, if we say, oh, we want the best customer experience in the world, you know, super fast response times. And yet we don't, we don't staff appropriately or we have the wrong tools or we're not investing in the people uh, to give them what they need so they can do a good job. Um, and they're feeling pushed, you know, they're, they're at 110% all the time. Um, that's, that's not, we have an aspirational value. I mean, we have a nice mission, vision, value statement, but, but that's not how we're actually living. And so again, I think our, our role as leaders is to, think about where we want to be aspirationally understand the constraints that are placed upon us um, by the organization um, you know whether it's a budgetary concern or um, you can act this way but not this way like understand the framework that we're working in appropriately push back on things that are that are not healthy hey well you, you don't need any more budget for the support team you guys are fine well really we're we're at 100 percent every day and our team's working really hard but that doesn't give us the breathing room if someone's out sick or if or if we need to do some training. We really need to have our people working between 75 and 80 or 85% uh, of utilization so that we have that breathing room so that we can handle when someone's out. That's a that's a, a thing to push back on with senior leadership, but but kind of once you have that framework, okay, cool. This is this is where we are as a team. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is our goals. Those are clearly stated. These are aspirationally who we want to be. Are we are we living that out on a day to day basis, and then and then kind of thinking through through that process and going okay because cool. that's ultimately what the culture is. That is is how do we live out what we're trying to what we say our aspirational goals are. And so, I guess I would just say kind of thinking through that, repeating those things, making sure everyone on your team knows this is where we're going, and and can see you living it, and can see that we're living it consistently as we talk about it in meetings, um, as we interact in one on ones. Um, having that feedback on, are we on the right path or are we not? And again, that maybe that's work product. Are you doing good work? Maybe that's how are we talking about the customers in the office? Um, you know, yep. if we're, if we're bad mouthing customers, um, maybe that's blowing off steam and maybe it's a little healthy, or maybe that's really causing a culture of complaint and, and, you know, not helping people focus on the right things, not having that empathy and compassion that we need to have in our roles. So, so I think kind of just broad strokes, like know where you're at as a company, know what that, that framework is understand what your goals are both aspirationally and, and how you're actually living those out and then be that consistent voice uh, for that and, and help set your people up for success. Definitely. And I think that also directly impacts your customer experience overall, as well as you're building out this as well, because if you have that good culture around your vision and mission and everything, and everybody is healthily and successfully feeling empowered to meet those aspirational goals, then it yeah. also reflects directly on the culture and conversations that you have with your customers as well. A happy, well-adjusted team will mean that your customers are happy and well-adjusted, right? They're having a positive experience because your agents are doing a good job and they're having a positive experience. And it, again, it doesn't mean like, oh, we need to have free lunches and nobody has to work. And, you know, let's all sit around the campfire playing Kumbaya on the guitar. Like, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But but if you can help your team have a, a, a safe and healthy environment for them to do their work, they're going to be able to do a good job for the customer. And if you're setting accurate expectations and if leadership isn't pushing you to do more with less and squeeze it all out, then you're going to be yeah. able to have a positive experience. And I think it's important to realize too, as the company goes into different phases, 
we might say that we want a great world-class customer support experience, but in reality, we're not staffed that way. And we don't want to be staffed that way because we're preparing for a sale. If that's the case, then we know that we're in this pinch situation. We know we're not going to get back bills for, for people that are leaving. How do we take care of people in that environment, but also not stress that our customers are having really long wait times? It needs to be realistic as well. Yeah, like we need to be realistic with our team. We're not beating our people up because the company decided that we're not going to staff appropriately. So again, I think knowing what phase of the business you're in, what your company's stated and actual goals are based on what they're doing, and then helping your team be successful in that framework is really important. Yeah, I think think also if you create a good culture around wellness and making sure that you know, you are taking care of yourself and your employees and your teams. It shouldn't be like, I've had so many conversations with people who are like one person customer roles within their company or people who feel such a sense of responsibility uh, that they're like, I can't take time off because I like my responsibilities aren't covered by anybody else. Like it's, it's not going to happen. If I'm not there, I need to be there. And at the same time, you also need to realize like, you should feel comfortable still taking time for yourself. You you need yeah. it to keep going. Uh, it's not your fault that the responsibilities aren't necessarily covered by the organization if they're not set up to be able to do that and to be able to right. create a culture of that. I think people call it also like the bus number. Like what's the what's the number of people if if they're just not there all of a sudden that everything breaks down and goes. You need to make yeah. sure that that number is definitely more than one. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think it's hard too when you look at a team of one or a team of two or three, like it's a lot harder to function in that environment than if you've got four or five or six because losing one at six is a lot less than losing one at three or losing two two at six and three, you know, like. Yeah. Um, so as a leader being aware of where the gaps are, who is single source of knowledge on this particular area um, and then know that you've got that so that, hey, if this person's out, here's my plan to kind of get through that period of time. If they're gone for a week, what, what effect is that going to have? You know, how do I, how do I prepare for that? And, and again, if setting the culture, you need to live it out. If you're not taking breaks because you're stressed out, if you're not there, it's not going to work. Then your people are going to be feeling that way too. And you need to set that example and be, be visible. I'm, I'm taking a vacation. Um, yeah. We had a, we had a transition into unlimited PTO, which there were some financial reasons that the company was doing that to prepare for a sale. Um, but what I wanted to make sure during, for for my team was that I was showing that, look, it's okay to take time off. In fact, encouraging them to take a minimum amount of time off, even though the company didn't have a policy on that, because I knew it was really important. Otherwise our team is going to get burned out and taking that stress and the pressure. Um, we, we had people, (laughs) we use CSAT as one of our metrics and it wasn't a individual metric. It was more of a team metric, but there were several folks on the team that felt really beat up whenever they got a negative review and my my answer was always look this isn't about you necessarily it might be like you may have done a bad job and if so what can you learn from it but but let's take a look why were they frustrated well they're frustrated because the product doesn't work the way they wanted it to okay like that's really good feedback it's an important information point for our company to have we need to share this with product but you as an individual don't have to feel bad about that because okay so your score went down I'm not looking at your score. I'm looking at the team score and I'm not looking at stuff that isn't because it isn't a fault of our team. We're using this as a tool to get better and identify areas that we're weak, but, and helping the rest of the company, but it's not a direct reflection of your work. And and so again, I think setting that tone, helping people put things in the right perspective, measure things the right way can really help, um, help them 
do better and feel better, even though, you know, maybe so there's some things that are not optimal because it's a business and it's, it's not always going to be optimal, you know? Yeah, I, I really love that because something that's been super common in all of the conversations that I've had and in all of these types of things is that every single leader that I'm talking to really understands that like people aren't numbers and they shouldn't be measured that way. And when it comes to metrics and KPIs and performance for teams, it shouldn't be like, oh, handle time just needs to be reduced. Like, let's do it. Hey, your handle time's not fast enough. It's not fast enough. But like, why is that? It's a, a reflection of our process and our system, or is it a reflection yeah. of how you're approaching it? How can we help support you to get better rather yeah. than, hey, it's not fast enough, so you just need to do better? Yeah, how, how do I how do I build up that system of supports around that person to help them get better in this area? And in some cases, it's a training issue. In some cases, we, I've had people in in the over the years where it's like this isn't a good fit for you. You know, yep. you're trying hard, you care, you want to do a good job. This is outside your skill set and your sweet zone. Like, let's let's help you get to another company or another role that will be a better fit for you. But generally, most people when they're struggling, it's because you as the leader haven't done a good job training. There aren't the right resources. We're putting too much pressure in a certain area. The tools don't work the right way. Like there's an external that you as the leader are in control of. And, and it's your job to help figure that out and give them what they need to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really love that because you really need to take a human centered approach instead yeah. of a process numbers metrics approach to how you measure it and really make sure right. that you build a culture around that. I think some of the things that we've talked about in this conversation are really, you know, you going from developing leader, finding what you value, building yeah. when you build your team, building a culture around what the collective values and what they build, and then also measuring across that value and not necessarily measuring only at face value and what you see. Right. Yeah. Again, I think it, it's your job as a leader to set the tone. I, I've always looked at it too, like, our job is to, to interact well cross-functionally with other teams, especially like if, if it's software product and development, that's an important relationship to have, you know, but you're running a kind of a business inside of the business and what company we have a culture and, and we need to respect and honor that and, and move in that direction. Our, our goals as a support team need to align with that, but we also have an opportunity to run things in kind of this micro business inside the business. And, and really, again, we can be, we can set things up in a healthy way for our team, even if maybe the company's not functioning exactly how we'd want it to be. And, and again, as leaders, we have that opportunity. So I think it's really, really powerful and, and can be, and can be a big joy too. Like I, I really get excited when I'm setting things up and I'm able to kind of go, Hey, let's, let's, let's make this person be successful. Let's give this person an opportunity. Let's, let's see the team grow. Let's watch people as they graduate into other roles in your organization. And, um, you know, or I could get bogged down and go like, I, well, it's, it's tough because there's not enough of this or not enough of that. So I give up. I'm just going to kind of float along down the river. Like, that's not, that's not who I want to be. And I don't think that's really satisfying. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity to kind of set your own, set your own tone and build your team the way you want to build it. I love those aha moments when somebody really, really hits that like motivational moment and they're like, see the star glitter in their eyes. They're like, yes, I, I did it. I'm, I'm really going through it. And just seeing yeah. that as a leader and developing people and seeing those aha moments of, it doesn't need to be like the whole sparkle and the eye thing, but just one of those core realizations of like, oh, I now realize that this is very much a, a new and an interesting perspective for me is, is always the, 
moment that really matters for me uh, as a leader yeah. as I'm growing my team and developing them. And I think, again, looking back over the last 15 years, like my biggest joys are not, oh, we solved this many tickets this month or, oh, we dealt with this tricky problem. It's always, well, who are the individuals that I work, had an opportunity to work with and what were they able to do and grow into? How are they able to progress and, and grow in their careers because of the environment that I fostered or because of the opportunities I had to invest in them or other leaders that I'd set up had invested in? Um, I think, I think it's, again, it's all about the people and, um, and I, I don't know that for me, that's the coolest part was just looking back and going, Hey, this person's having a successful career over here and, and they're, they're building their own team and it's awesome. Or and this person's over here and he's in a different, different role because of opportunities that he had and, and who he was as a person. And, um, I don't know, it's just really satisfying to have those relationships and to, and to watch people grow. So yeah, that's my biggest joy. Nah, I love it. I really, really do. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and coming to have this conversation. And yeah, it was, really it was a pleasure. About it. Thank yeah, you so much. Nice.